the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You know, I, I think I need to change my opening music. I was I, w- I was watching I don't know some some Sling TV channel. We we're trying out Sling just to see if it's we cut cable, and uh, we're trying out Sling, and they have a a music channel. I guess a, like a concert channel, and so I was I have to have something in the background when I'm working. So I was. Had it on, and then Chicago was on. Great concert. I mean, it was just, man, I was sitting there. I wouldn't get any work done because I was singing along with And that's, you don't want to hear me sing. But anyway, and I, I need to change another rainy day in South Carolina. That's what we need to change it to. Instead of another rainy day in New York City, we just need to play Chicago's another rainy day in New York City. When they say New York City, I'll just say South Carolina. <laughs> I don't know who, but whoever's pray, still praying for rain, please stop. <laughs> We're going to wash away, folks. Oh, man, it just, you can't get out and do anything. You got, can't, we, you know, just got so much outside that I need to be doing. And on the other hand, I am stuck inside, and so I'm getting a lot of that out of the way. So that, it worked. Yeah, glass half full, but gee whiz, we have had some rain, <laughs> but we need it. I'll take it. I'm not going to complain because, uh, you know, in two years, we'll be in another five year drought and we'll wish we had this much rain or had spread it out a little bit, at least that. Um, Welcome into the Woods and Water, South Carolina. My name is Roger Metz, and we'll be here for the next hour. Well, 53 minutes and 10 seconds now. But anyway, <laughs> we uh, uh, got a got a good segment next and second segment with uh, on the Modern Fish Act. A uh, lot of uh, it, it's a change to the Magnuson-Stevens Act that was passed back in the 70s that you know kind of addressed fish stocks and and took control of our territorial waters for fishing and, and that sort of thing. But then, you know, some problems with it. So, um, uh, but the, the House and Senate passed the Modern Fish Act uh, right around December 31st. So we I, I got a recorded segment that I did on that. And so that'll be in the second segment. Got a calendar of events that's going to come up at some point this hour. And, uh, and then I got a good story on, it, it's a good one from uh, Mediator. He, uh, Patrick Dirk, Durkin on, uh, those of us over 50 and why we quit hunting and fishing. So it, it's, it's going to be a good show. Uh, also got a couple of Z-Man giveaways. Uh, Shane Clevenger at Z-Man and I went, uh, well, we didn't go fishing. We were the chase boat for a, um, one of Brian Latimer's straight up fishing YouTube videos. So I was there shooting stills and we had, uh, Oh, Jacob was there from Silo. Oh, I can't remember his website now. Silo Creative. Uh, he was flying the drone, and I was doing the pictures. And uh, Shane was out there, and I was on the chase boat. And he and I, you know, we were had nothing to do but talk. So we were talking. And he said, "Hey, I need to send you some stuff." So I've got a, I got one Z-Man pack that's for fresh water, and I've got one Z-Man pack that's for salt water. Uh, so when I do these giveaways, you're gonna have to listen. For which one's up? So you saltwater guys, get ready. It's got uh, 
minnows and redfish toads, scented paddlers and bad shad, diesel minnows and Houdini swimming trout tricks, uh, the original trout tricks, some trout eye jig heads, and then the uh, freshwaters got Project Z chatterbait, turbo crawls, cross eye, finesse jig, bat wings, green pumpkin zinkers, watermelon red, red boar hogs, and some shaky heads. So thanks to Shane and uh, Z-Man for those, and we'll give those away probably – Probably third and fourth segments, probably after we come back from the bottom of the hour break and then uh, after 45 or so. So stay tuned for those. What else? Oh, <laughs> how many of you, is, has anybody done the 10 for 10, you know, 10 years ago, whatever, post your first, first, you know, first profile picture on Facebook. That's what they're after. And then post one today. <laughs> how many of you have seen the one where the they're trying to, thread the fishing line through the fish hook. So 10 years ago, it was like really clear and now it's really fuzzy. <laughs> okay. If, if you've seen that one, then try doing that with like a size 22 parachute atoms while you're standing in a stream. It's very, very, very bad. I gotta get, I gotta get some of those little glasses. I'm, my wife bought me a pair back a few months ago and i told her to take them back but i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to get some i can't i, I was up trout fishing uh when i went to louisville stopped up along uh oh 25 north of Asheville, a couple of streams up there on the way to hot springs north carolina and it's just i can't see that stuff anymore you know you're 5x tippet trying to go through a little itty bitty fly and it's just nah it's not happening so anyway <laughs> but yeah that 10 years pretty cool you know, everything is fuzzy now. Ten years ago, it was very crystal clear. Um, big news, I got an email from O-Search uh, last week. They are coming back to the, actually, the Georgia Georgia coast, I guess, starting in Jacksonville, Florida. They're going to fish from Jacksonville, Florida from February the 10th through the 26th or so. They're going to have some, some onboard stuff uh, February 4th. 8th and, uh, yeah, 8th and 9th, maybe 9th and 10th in Jacksonville. I have to, I have to get the more specifics, but they invited me to come back on board. So I'm going to, we're going to have a road trip here in February. I'm going to go chop on board and see if we can't catch us a white shark. For the last time I went down, the wind was blowing like 25 miles an hour. We just, we huddled up behind, uh, Hilton Head Island, sat there for the day and had some real nice tours of the boat and, and got some, got the good, uh, tours of what they did and a lot of explanations and all, but, there was no fishing to be done. So hopefully this time, I told them I was going to do my my anti-rain dance so our weather would treat them a little better this time around. But So O-Search is coming up. That's going to be pretty cool. And um, maybe we'll uh, – I'll, I'll interview those guys again. They, those were good interviews. So anyway, now that I've wasted the first segment, hang on through the break. We're going to talk about the Modern Fish Act when we come back. And then, uh, like I said, got a couple Z-Man things, got some articles to read, and we'll get through this rainy day together. Hang on. More Woods and Water, South Carolina after the break. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. It's a great day in South Carolina. It's a great day to be a fisherman. Hey, if you haven't heard, we big news coming out of Washington. Everybody thinks it's all gridlock and nobody can agree on anything. But uh, December 31st, President Trump signed the Modern Fish Act into law. Amazingly enough, the House passed it on an overwhelmingly positive vote. 
The Senate was unanimous, and uh, we have an improvement to the Magnuson-Stevens Act that we've had since '76. So uh, I got on the uh, got on the email chain, got a hold of Liz Ogilvie, and she recommended that I talk to Mike Leonard, who is the VP of Government Affairs for American Sport Fishing Association. And uh, Mike's on the phone with me now. Mike, welcome to Woods and Water, South Carolina. Yeah, thanks, Roger. Great, uh, great to be on here. Appreciate you reaching out to us. Yes, sir. All right. I know this is primarily saltwater based because that's where the most of the contention has been. If, if, if you're in South Carolina or you've listened to anything out of the Gulf Coast, a lot of this revolves around, I would assume, the snapper fishery, right? Right, right. Red snapper is the poster fist of uh, everything that's going on with federal fisheries management. So, <laughs> there you uh, go. Yeah, a lot of problems with it. You can uh, you can look at red snapper as an example of what's going wrong. I got you. Well, let's start off with what we had. Up until 1976, we really didn't have much. Uh, in 76, and, and I guess a few years before that, we had a, a growing sense that we needed something to uh, stop overfishing. So we got Max, Magnus and Stevens. What um, what did that do for us? All right. So you're right. We, we essentially didn't have anything uh, to regulate what was going on in the offshore waters um, up until the 1970s. And what we had at that time was a lot of foreign vessels coming in near U.S. waters and uh, depleting a lot of our fisheries. So fisheries weren't in good shape. Our domestic commercial fishing industry wasn't in good shape, good shape just that there weren't a lot of fish out there. So uh, the Magnuson-Stevens Act originally came about in the mid-1970s to, um, to establish U.S. jurisdiction up to 200 miles. Okay. So uh, to establish what's called the exclusive economic zone. So essentially kick the foreign vessels out of U.S. waters and set up a basic management system to uh, to regulate our own commercial fisheries. Um, so that law was great at domesticating our fisheries. Unfortunately, it didn't do such a good job of regulating our own. So the, okay. the problems with overfishing continued until about the mid-'90s or so when some, uh, some teeth were added to the law to help end overfishing, rebuild fish stocks. There were further refinements made in the uh, 2006 uh, reauthorization of the bill to, to establish annual catch limits on all fisheries and to make sure that uh, any fish that was overfished was going to be rebuilt. Um, what you're missing in all that, or what we're all missing in all that, is there was never really much of a, a, a look into recreational fishermen. It, the whole law was set up to, to manage commercial fisheries, which they catch about 98% of all fish that are harvested in, uh, out in the water, in the marine waters every year. Uh, okay. Recreational fishermen only catch 2%, but um, you got 11 million recreational fishermen sure. uh, that fish saltwater each year that uh, contribute um, billions of dollars to the economy, and it was always just sort of an afterthought in federal fisheries management. And okay. uh, and as, as I'm sure your listeners um, are, are well aware, recreational and commercial fishing are, are pretty different activities. Other than <laughs> taking fish out of the water, they're, 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 that's about where the similarities end. Sure. So, you know, me fishing with my two kids uh, for you know, whatever we can catch, um, uh, it, it's exactly the same thing as a large-scale industrial fleet out there that are harvesting millions of pounds of fish. So um, so we've been overdue to get that recognition that recreational and commercial fishing are different, that they they have different uh, qualities of data, they have different desires out of management, all that stuff. Uh, but federal law has never really taken a look at that. And that's really what the Modern Fish Act is all about, is, is getting that distinction made and getting adjustments made to federal management and and, uh, and data collection to, to better work for recreational fishermen. And this has been growing for a few years. I mean, NMFS, which is the NOAA's uh, National Marine Fishery Service, <laughs> I'm sure you've heard it before, got the acronym of No More Fishing Season. 
<laughs> right, right. Yeah, so, uh, and it's pretty well-deserved rec- uh, reputation. You know, Red Snapper is a great example in the southeast. Uh, in the South Atlantic, up until the last year or two, we haven't had any season. Even now, right. we only have a couple of weekends. Um, and, you know, it, it's a lot of folks there on the ground, uh, both at the South Atlantic Council, the state agencies. You know, they're doing everything they can, but the, the law itself is just too strict, too rigid, Um and it doesn't handle recreational fisheries, especially ones where we don't have really good data. Right. It just, it, it's not, it's not, um, set up to manage those fisheries very well. The only, um, the only approach it really knows how to take is to just close things down. Right. And, um, and that's not good for anybody. Right. So right. that's really the, what we're trying to do is make, make more reasonable changes to the law to allow for more stability over time, uh, to allow for better data and, uh, and hopefully open things up so we get better access, better opportunities. Um, so we can just all go fishing some more. Okay. How much of a role did this uh, uh, Morris Deal uh, team that put together a vision for managing America's saltwater recreational fisheries, how, how much of a role did that play in this whole conversation, new, new legislation? Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, so that was really instrumental. Um, this started back about five years ago or so, um, and, and really the problems have been brewing for, for longer than sure. that. There's been a lot of frustration with federal management for for decades now amongst recreational fishermen. But um, about five years ago, Johnny Morris, the president and founder of Bass Pro Shops, and Scott Deal, the president of Maverick Boats, got together and pulled a commission of various experts from the academic world, uh, the industry, angler groups, um, and, and, and brought folks together, brought in outside experts to, to essentially look at what do we do about this problem? What are okay. the changes we need to, to get better fishing opportunities uh, within our federal fisheries management system? So they came out with a report in 2013 that was a, a culmination of a, over a year's worth of work that laid out several priorities for uh, improving federal management. And uh, and that really was the, the basis of uh, what inspired uh, this Modern Fish Act. Um, really, most of the, the priorities and recommendations within that report essentially got translated into to bill text, and, uh, and you had several members of Congress um, push those ideas forward and... Uh, and move them as an independent bill. Um, another point I should make is historically, any changes to this federal fisheries management system have only been done through these big, broad reauthorizations, where Congress opens up the entire statute and makes a ton of changes to it. That's what happened in last in, in 2006, and hasn't okay. happened since. Um, at the recreational fishing community, we looked around and said, with all this function going on in Congress, we can't wait around for that. Right. Uh, we can't wait for this big, broad. Uh, potential reauthorization uh, to take place. We need uh, we need these changes now. So that's where you saw the Modern Fish Act move as a standalone bill. And really, probably the biggest takeaway from all this is it's the first time that the U.S. Congress has ever passed a bill solely focused on saltwater recreational fishing. The community's voice was heard to that level that Congress, with everything else going on in the country right now, uh, said, you know, this is a really important issue. We need to take care of this important constituency and, and get these important changes made. Um, and that really, I think, at a big picture level, um, shows that the importance of recreational fishing to the nation is really finally being acknowledged by uh, by decision makers in D.C. And well, you, it doesn't take you long reading through some of the press releases and all that to get some of the partnerships: uh, Center for Sport Fishing Policy, Coastal Conservation Association, Congressional Sportsman's Foundation, Guy Harvey Ocean Foundation, IGFA, the Marine Manufacturers Association. Billfish Foundation, TRCP. I mean, you get that many groups together. With a central focus, and you know, bring in eleven million people, you just might get something done. 
Yeah, well, that's kind of where we ended up. Um, you know, if you're fighting amongst yourselves, uh, it's really easy for Congress <laughs> to ignore you. Sure. You know, anybody to ignore you, really. Yes. Uh, you know, tell you, they'll tell you to just go back, get your get your stuff together, and then let them know when you're all on the same page. Um, and that's kind of as a community where we were for a long time. You know, I, I think as, as you're probably aware, uh, fishermen, you know, you put 10 fishermen in a room, you get 20 different opinions. Of course. Uh, it's really hard to get the recreational fishing community all on the same page, and I think that's been kind of our Achilles heel for a while. Is we've all complained, and when the time has come for us to identify solutions, particularly on federal fisheries management, it's, it's kind of been elusive to us. Um, and that's really what the importance of the Moore Steel Commission was: was getting a common set of recommendations for our community, and getting all the organizations, again from from boating industry to the recreational fishing industry, to all the individual angler organizations um, all on the same page and all pushing the same agenda i think is really what drove this home because there's a lot of other stakeholder groups out there commercial fishing interests environmental interests that don't necessarily have the same uh, priorities in mind uh and that's really what made it all the more important for us to be coming in with a solid collective message so we had magnuson stevens which addressed the problem and started the fix but left the recreational fishermen out we've identified the problems and all the modern fish act what are the improvements that they're they're not the end all you know we're, we're gonna we're still gonna have to go through a progression of this but what does the modern fish act start to do to correct the problems with magnus and stevens yeah well and, and you're right you know just to put it in context this is this doesn't say you know starting tomorrow all fishing seasons double or anything like that this is going to be more longer term playing out over the course of a few years type of incremental changes um, but, you know, it does a few important things. As I mentioned earlier, it makes that fundamental distinction uh, at the very front of federal statute that recreational and commercial fishing are, are different and therefore deserve uh, different management approaches. Um, it, it also clarifies that, uh, you know, the ways states like South Carolina, um, marine resources, the way states manage fisheries, and, okay. and, you know, it gets pretty technical and biological, uh, but the approaches that they use um, can and should be also looked at by federal fisheries managers as okay. opposed to just using the one-size-fits-all, you know, the way we manage commercial fisheries um, to the pound or to the ton okay. uh, and closing fisheries down when those limits are exceeded. Um, you know, there's alternative ways to manage recreational fisheries that are, are better uh, aligned with the data that we have. Uh, it clarifies that those authorities do exist for, for the National Marine Fisheries Service. Uh, and then on the data side, it, it pushes the agency to look at other ways of, of estimating how recreational, uh, how much recreational catch there is out there. The system that's been used for decades is just, it's not getting the job done. It has historically relied on, uh, just randomly calling coastal household landlines, <laughs> which is kind of remarkable. If you don't live in a coastal county and you don't have a landline or you won't answer your phone if you don't recognize the number. Right. Uh, you were never getting surveyed. Okay. Um, so as you can imagine, there are all sorts of wild estimates that would come from that type of approach that was, uh, again, that was the sole way we were trying to estimate how many fish recreational fishermen were catching. Okay. In 2019, with all the electronics out there with smartphones, oh, yes. uh, there's, there's many better ways, a lot of uh, surveys that states are using uh, that the National Marine Fishery Service has just kind of dug its head in the sand on uh, and pushes the agency to look at that. Uh, it also explores some of the more contentious things that have happened in marine fisheries management that, that haven't worked out for recreational fishing. Uh, things like cat shares that have been particularly problematic in the Gulf, uh, with Red Snapper down there. Right. We're essentially taking a public resource and privatizing it. Uh, calls for a review of those types of approaches. Um, so again, it, it does a bunch and, and, uh, fisheries can get pretty weedy and technical, but the bottom line is it's better management, better data. And in the long run, you start plugging those ideas in, it should mean better fishing opportunities. 
So we've mentioned Red Snapper as kind of the flashpoint for all this. For a guy who's got a 23-foot C-Pro uh, Center console, lives in Greenville, South Carolina, who hasn't been able to go snapper fishing for the last couple of years, what's his outlook? Yeah, well, he's just take me fishing next time he goes. But uh, beyond that, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think things are heading in the right direction, and particularly with the changes that are going to be playing out over the course of time with this law, we should see see better opportunities. Yeah, Red snapper, um, it, it's less of a conservation issue and more of a management issue. You okay. know, hear all the time folks say they they can't go bottom fishing right. in the southeast and not and not catch a red not snapper. catch them. Uh, yeah, so. Um, so what we're looking at is, again, the, the, the other management approaches where you're looking at more long-term abundance, long-term catch rates um, that should allow for better opportunities as opposed to sort of the yo-yo we've been looking at right. where you open it one year, you got to close it the next right. because uh, you think you went over your limit. Um, and, uh, and again, looking at better ways of estimating catch. Uh, you know, again, the way things have been estimated in the past is just uh, clearly not getting the job done. So you combine those things together. And I really believe over the course of the next few years, we'll, we'll start to see some better opportunities, better access. Certainly beyond a couple of weekends, which is going to be all <laughs> yeah. for the last couple of years. Absolutely. Well, Mike, uh, I was just looking here at a Congressional Sportsman's Foundation press release I've got, and it, the contact is Sarah Leonard. Would that be any relationship to you? <laughs> I know. I know Sarah pretty well. Uh, no, maybe somewhere. I actually was doing one of those Ancestry.com things lately, but... Uh, <laughs> didn't, didn't match up with her, but, uh, okay. now there's a few of us running around. Don't happen to be related. Okay. Okay. Just, just, it just kind of jumped out, man. Um, yep. well, look, thanks for taking time off. Thanks for, uh, thanks to ASA and you as, uh, and Liz, I'm sure has had some part in this too for, uh, pushing this through and making sure that the future for saltwater recreational fishermen's bright. Yeah. Well, and thanks to you and, uh, I'm sure many of your listeners. Helped to engage in this process. I mean, we had thousands of people from all over the country weigh in on this. So, any of the listeners that wrote emails or called into their congress, uh, congressmen or senators for this bill, you know, a lot of credit goes to them too. So, uh, if they're looking out for other ways to get involved, we have a website, keepamericafishing.org, that has all sorts of information about this bill and others. Um, so, I encourage people to go check that out. Very good. Mike Leonard, thank you for your time and talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Roger. Take yes, care. Yes, sir. Being cold inside as is outside. Now I'm getting warm in here. Dressed for the dressed for the day, and now I'm getting hot. All right. Well, uh, I hope you enjoyed that segment. You know, the, it's amazing what uh, what happens over time. You know, we're 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 in the middle of a a downward trend in hunting and, and funding for the outdoors and conservation is something that's on everybody's mind. It's always good when we're updating things to get more people involved. Uh, Speaking of getting more people involved, if you would like to uh, have some Z-Man saltwater bait, it comes in a bait binder, uh, some redfish toads, some minnow Z paddlers, diesel minnows, trout tricks, some trout eye jig heads. If you would like a saltwater pack from Z-Man Fishing, then call 877-235-9405, 877-235-9405. This is a saltwater pack from Z-Man 
I might have a few other things I'll pitch in there. So I'll need caller number one, and uh, I need to put them on. I need to talk to them for a second when you get them on, Paul. If if anybody wants a saltwater package now, if you don't want it, I'll keep it. Uh, I use some trout tricks and some trout eye jig heads now, so that's uh, up to y'all. If y'all don't want it, I'll I'll tell Shane that you know I kept it. No, I won't do that. But anyway, it's um if you're if you're if you're a cook like I am and you like to cook good stuff, then uh, this is for you. The Sportsman's Channel, my my friend Scott Laseth, the Sporting Chef, uh, is offering through the Sportsman Channel. A free e-cookbook. It's got like 40, 40 recipes, and um, I'm, I'm sure they're all good. So if you go to the sportsmanschannel.com backslash cookbook backslash Comcast, he uh, he has a, a free e-book, e-cookbook that you can download for free. So, you know, Scott's going to be on. I'm trying to think what we're going to have him on, like March I believe is when he's going to come on. We're going to do some cooking. Well, we're not going to do some cooking. He's going to talk about cooking because that's all he's done. I mean, he's got two shows, The Sporting Chef and Dead Meat on the Sportsman Channel. Um, I forget how long Scott's been doing. He's been doing it a long time. But he, he's it's really good stuff. So anyway, if you want a free e-cookbook, there you go. I guess everybody's – what? Are you, everybody taking a nap out there today? Nobody, nobody wants free fish and tackle? I would be taking a nap if I went home. So I, I like I can't. I can't. I would too. Yeah, I, I can't be complaining too much if 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 nobody's listening today. That's perfectly understandable if you're all asleep. But if you if you want a Z Man fishing pack, eight seven saltwater now eight seven seven two three five ninety four zero five. Um, as I was talking earlier, we were all concerned about the decline in hunting, and and you know, luckily fishing's kind of on an upswing, and I think we've kind of stabilized with hunting numbers, but it. There was a good article, Meat Eater, Fading at 50 While Older, Why Older Sportsmen Are Spending Less Time Afield. It's by Patrick Durkin. Um, Most hunters and anglers old enough to fantasize about retiring can't wait for that never-ending vacation so they can spend every possible hour outdoors. Now, whoa, the phone just lit up. Somebody just woke up. (laughs) Okay. Not everybody's sleeping. Uh, just, Just call her one, Paul. Um, and this article is all about, you know, my age group, the 50 plus crowd. You know, some, some retirees live out these recreational dreams, smugly heading for the boat ramp or tree stand every morning while young folks go off to work, which is where they used to be. That's great. But those diehards, the exception and their self-satisfaction likely won't endure. Their endless vacation fantasies usually fade fast in retirement. In fact, those dreams often fade long before retirees start walking, waking up every day to a blank, blank slate. Retirees just don't get up one day and quit hunting, Mark said. He's an executive director of Responsive Management, a research group that studies outdoor recreation. They fall off it very slowly without realizing it. Something comes up one day and they don't go. They shrug and figure they'll pick it up again next week. Then it becomes next year and all of a sudden 10 years go by and they haven't gone. They still consider themselves hunters and fishermen, but they find it very hard to get back into the game. And that's where it starts. You know, you get up one morning and it's cold or you don't feel like going, you got a headache, and the next time it's easier. And look, I'm, I'm talking about myself here. This is this is what all of us go through at this age. Um, hunters and anglers know how fish and wildlife need good habitat to survive, but few people realize that hunting and fishing also require good social habits to thrive. Our social habits have declined the past 30 years as our population grew overweight, stayed connected 24-7 to their work, and shifted heavily from urban to rural, I mean from rural to urban homes and lifestyles. 
then you reach your 50s and the cascading impacts of personal and work-related issues, you know, hmm. threats to social habitats. Warnicke said many forms of habitat erosion facing hunters and anglers in their 50s can't be fixed with raffles, banquets, and funders and fundraisers. For instance, they often feel handcuffed to their work, their jobs until greater obligations and responsibilities and their earnings are likely peaking. They make that makes them potential layoff targets should their company cut staff. Dad, their long life long lifelong hunting and fishing partner is in his late seventies to early eighties and struggles to walk far or climb into a boat. Son daughter, their longtime hunting fishing partners moved far away to work, raise families and juggle newfound obligations to their own kids, spouses and in laws. Lifelong hunting and fishing partners face similar challenges and some battle chronic health problems or terminal illnesses. And the last one is they, long, they no longer have access to their family's former farm or hunting property near town. The land was sold to developers or leased to others. And we, we all know somebody like this or, or, or going through that ourselves. So, all right, let's, um, we got somebody that, uh, actually wants to go fishing with some free Z-Man fishing tackle. So, Paul, who we got? Mike from Forest City. Welcome to Woods and Water, South Carolina. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm great. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm I'm glad I used to duck hunt, so I have partially webbed feet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Yeah, I was carp fishing earlier today, and it's it's raining so hard up here. I had to get out of the out of the rain. So how'd you do this morning? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, at least you were out there. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, I love to fish. Well, very good. Well, I got, uh, uh, Z Man sent me a bunch of stuff, so I got a, a Z Man bait binder, which is their package. It's got the, the slip rings in it and all you can uh, stack everything up on. I got some minnow Z's, redfish toad, paddlers, bad shad, diesel minnows, trout tricks, some jig heads. What, um, I may have a t shirt or two around the house. What, what size do you wear? Or do you have a kid that wears a size that would like a fishing t shirt? I wear. I wear double X. Okay. Probably don't have anything that big left over. What's the next size for somebody around the house? Or, or e- extra large. Extra large. All right. I'll see. And I'll throw in a couple hats from AFCO. And, Thank uh, you. And I hope you get out and use this stuff. And um, Oh, if, I know I will. I know I will. I'm... I'm retired, so oh. I got time. I got time to fish anymore. <laughs> well, that is great. That, but you go, you go right in with the article I was just reading about about how over fifty, there are certain parts of certain guys who retire who they just they continue on with that. And I assume you fished your whole life. Oh yes, yes, yeah. yes, sir. And so you're still hard at it. And this article I'm I'm looking at today is is talking about how many people fall off. You know, oh, after no, age fifty. No. No, I mean, I go fishing more now than, you know, I, when I was making a living, you know, so. <laughs> well, that's the way yeah, it's supposed it's, to be. Uh, it's relaxing and uh, it doesn't cost you anything but what, what you, you know, pay for bait or your tackle, stuff like that. But sure. it doesn't cost you anything to go on the French Broad River and fish. And, yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. Oh, great, Mike. Well, keep it up. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, Get a hold of you by email. Get your address and everything. I get this in the mail. And if you uh, if you get a go saltwater fishing, you catch anything, send me a picture too. I will. All right, I appreciate will. it, Mike. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye bye. Yep. Well, there's a guy who retired, and now he's doing exactly what he wants to do, which is fish all the time. Um, 
Back to the article. Dan Forster, Vice President and Chief Conservation Officer of the Archery Trade Association, um, said challenges can, can cripple complex gear-intensive activities like hunting and fishing. And that's true. You know, we, we wish there were simple answers, but the American lifestyles are more transient, complicated, and urban-based than a generation ago. Uh, then you got the aging impacts. You know, hunters and anglers in the 50s usually start feeling their age. I can go along with that. They often grow on heavier and less physically fit, and few change their sedentary lifestyles and poor eating habits. In turn, they feel more vulnerable to accidents, which makes them uneasy in boats and tree stands, especially when alone. That goes back to that part about not having their hunting partner with you anymore. Um, whenever. <laughs> crossbows. It, it, this, this article goes into crossbows. That crossbows keep more hunters afield into their 50s and 60s than any, anything else in any time frame. So, you know, when crossbows used to be bad here in South Carolina and outlawed, you know. Now there's something they're actually extending the hunting and all of our uh, of our older generations. You know, I shoot a bow. I don't know how long I'll be able to pull that thing back. Crossbow? I don't like them right now, but it's an option. Let's see. Plus, crossbows. They go on to talk about crossbows help introduce many youngsters to deer hunting. Um, but 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 but. Good article, but you know when you when you get down to the whole thing about you know your fifties and and all, and you don't hunting as much, you know what the answer to that is? Find you a kid to mentor. Maybe not a kid, maybe another adult, and mentor him. Turn him into another hunter. All right, take a break. Back with the last segment of Woods and Water, South Carolina. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. That's what I had to do. I had to wake everybody up. Although Mike sounded like he he was awake. He'd already been trout fishing today. So good for Mike. Hope he enjoys that. All right. If if you're if you're calling in right now, we're gonna just hang up and try back. We're gonna we're gonna give away another a fresh water pack of Z Man here in a few minutes. But anyway, to finish up the article that I was reading, get down to the to the end of the thing. A lot of our of the pathways that once worked for hunting and fishing don't work as well today. You know, that's why we're working with more colleges, college students, and young adults. They're interested in sustainable food sources, and they can take care of themselves hunting and fishing if we can provide new pathways for them to follow. And that, that blends right in. If you, I don't know if you, how many of you out there get the Wall Street Journal, but uh, back last fall we had on uh, Hank Forrester and Charlie Evans talking about the food, the field to fork program. <laughs> Food, food. I got cheeseburgers on my mind. Made cheeseburgers last night. Boy, they were good. I had another one for lunch today. Um, and that's exactly what their program is geared towards. It's you know people that have never been in hunting and fishing. They want to learn how because you know they've just never done it, and they got a great program. But they were they were on the front page, lower half of the Wall Street Journal the other day. Just a wow! Congratulations, to those guys. All right. Um, Let's see, where do I want to go with this? Anyway, a good article off the Meat Eater uh, website. Conservation habitat fading at 50 while older sportsmen are spending less time afield. Uh, if you, if you, if you like me, you like birds. I like bald eagles, you know, and we got a ton of them in South Carolina. 
you may or may not know it. A lot of them along the coast, but there are a lot of them starting to stretch up into, especially following the rivers and lakes and all up in the upstate. Uh, South Carolina actually has a three-year rotating survey of nesting habitat or nesting pairs of bald eagles. And if you go to the Department of Natural Resources webpage, uh, which I don't do, I just got it printed out here, but I'm sure if you did South Carolina bald eagles nest locations, it would come up. Uh, you have to have Google Earth because this is a Google Earth overlay. Um, but every three years they survey, and it's a rotating section of the state that they will look, go into and look for bald eagle nests, pairings of bald eagles. And you can find those. You go there, they got a current SCDNR documented bald eagle nest in South Carolina with the date of the last survey. So in other words, they'll, they'll number them and then they'll have the year that the nest was observed. So right now I think nests are anywhere from 2015 to 2019. And it's just really cool because you're starting to see a lot more bald eagles in a lot more places you didn't. I remember the first year I went to Alaska in 2011. I saw like three bald eagles the whole week, 10 days I was up there. I came back to South Carolina, went down to Charleston a couple weeks later, and I saw like nine in an hour (laughs) because they were just, you know, just kind of took the wind out of my sails too. But anyway, so that's pretty good. Bald eagles, if you like to see them, you can go to the Department of Natural Resources and they got a listing of all the uh, documented nests. All right, if you're interested in a Z-Man freshwater pack, 877-235-9405, uh, give me a call. We'll get you get you fixed up with a little bit of Z-Man, which is a you know a Charleston-based company. Uh, Brian Latimer from right here in Belton is their, one of their pros. And uh, just a great company. Daniel, Shane, Joey, all those guys down there are, are fun to be around. And they make some really good stuff. The Elastec features of of z-man fishing products you know some of those guys are catching 30 40 50 fish on a bait and um you know that's that's pretty good and when you're when you're paying you know five dollars a package or six dollars a package for five plastic soft plastics man those things go a long way so anyway speaking of z-man uh if, you, if you're looking for something this calendar event's brought to you by visit anderson green pond the landing and event center uh, right now today and tomorrow the hadrill's point Shallow Water Expo is taking place in Mount Pleasant at the Omar Shrine Temple. I know Brian's down there. He's doing some seminars. Uh, Mark Nichols from uh, DOA Lures is there. And it's, uh, you know, tickets are only $5 parking free. So, hey, it's going to be raining today. It's going to be windy tomorrow. Make the trip if you're down. Oh, shoot, even if you're in Greenville, even if you're at the upstate. Chill on down. It's, it's a fun time. And they got a lot of good stuff there too. Boats, uh, Shimano is there. I know Penn will probably be there. There's just, you know, there's guides there. Z-Man will be there. So some good stuff there. Uh, tonight, if you're anywhere around Utahville, and I hate to spring this so late, but, uh, tonight, six o'clock until the men's ministry at the First Baptist Church of Utahville is having a 19th annual wild game banquet. It's that time of the year and these things are great. So like I said, late notice, but if you're down and around Utahville, Go by, take part, eat something that you wouldn't normally eat on any given weekday. And it's boat show season, you know. Boat show season is here. Charleston Boat Show is coming up. It is, uh, I'm not sure which, the 2019, and they're, they're going to have some, it's in Charleston, and they're going to have like a coastal fishing expo down there with different captains, uh Captain Eric Jones, a lifelong North Carolina native, 
He's going to be doing some seminars. Captain Amanda King is an up-and-coming fishing guide out of Carolina Beach. Uh, Man, there's some women in here. Captain Tim Wilson is going to be there. Mike Abel is going to be there from Hadrill's. It's a long list of seminars that are going to be there. And they're actually going to have the old 5-5. They actually have music there. So the Charleston Boat Show, I believe this is the 27th and 28th. And I would print out everything but the front page, which tells me what, uh, what the Project Healing Water is going to be there. Um, uh, for the kids, they're going to have Captain Jack Sparrow there. You know he got punted off those movies. I forget his name, but anyway. Face painting for the kids. And that is the Charleston Boat Show. I'll have to look it up. I'll get back to you after we talk. All right, here we got. You have Todd from Clemson. Todd from Clemson. How are you, sir? Hi, sir. How about you? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Have you been out fishing today? I did not go out today, <laughs> but I did go yesterday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that then then more part. Did you catch anything? You know what? We did uh, really great. Uh, I took a special needs boy out there, uh, nineteen, and uh, if I could, I if you don't mind, I'll send you the picture. He caught two real nice catfish. I'd say probably nine to ten pounds each. Ooh. To Absolutely. Send them to me. Um, Roger at woodsandwatersc.com. Roger at woodsandwatersc.com. Okay. Woods, woodsandwatersc.com. Yeah, it's all spelled out. But send them to okay. me. Now, now how, did, how did you come to be taking special needs kids out fishing? Well, you know, I uh, I actually teach uh, Air Force Junior ROTC. Okay. And... And through that program, we have uh, several kids that take that class. Nice. Where'd you take them fishing at? You know what? It's uh, in Pickens, a pond. This guy let me take him there. He said it hadn't been fished in years, and I could tell because uh, <laughs> the, the sunfish we pulled up, we yeah. each caught five. But uh, he kind of pulled a little trick on me, though. Uh, his line got all tangled up. So I went over there to untangle it, and when that happened, of course, I got a big bite, and he went and reeled it in. And I, I tried down, that's my fish, and he said, nope. He goes, I pulled it in, it's mine. Possession <laughs> is nine-tenths of the law, right? I guess so. <laughs> but we just threw them back, and uh, we'll, we'll go back and catch them again in the near future. Good for you. Well, send me those pictures. I'll get them up on the uh, Facebook page. and. I'll get you this. I don't know what I don't know what size what size shirt do you wear? You know, I'm big like the last guy, but uh you know, I could give it to Justin actually. Right. Uh, he's probably uh he wears a medium large. All right. He likes he likes them a little bigger. All right, well I know I've got some larges there, I probably got some mediums there and I'll throw that in along with a couple of AFCO hats. How's that? I appreciate that, sir. Well, thank you for doing your part to pass along the fishing bug to others, especially those who who, you know, can't really own their own sometimes, and that, that is a great thing for you. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. I'll send you a few pictures of the kids. Huh? Very good. Well, Todd, thank you, sir. Hope you enjoy the Z-Man pack. You take care. Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Very cool. That's what it's all about right there, taking somebody else fishing who can't go on their own. Anyway, the Charleston Boat Show, uh, Friday, January 5th, Saturday, January 26th, and Sunday, January 27th. They got a long one. They got a long one. Greenville Boat Show is coming up 24th, 25th, 26th, and 27th. We got a long one here in the upstate, too.
um, all sorts of boats. Thursday and Friday, 12 to 9. Saturday, 10 to 9. Sunday, 12 to 6. Admission, adults, $7. Uh, seniors, 6. Students, 6 to 18, 6. Children, under 6 free. Parking's 5 bucks. That's always a good one. I'll be there Friday afternoon. I think I'm going. Hang out for a few hours, see what's new. Uh, the Greenville South Greenville chapter of Ducks Unlimited is having their conservation banquet on Thursday, January the 31st. It's at St. George Greek Orthodox Church on Academy Street in Greenville. Um, tickets, 50 bucks, single, 75 couples. And they can buy them online. Online ticket sales end on January the 30th. And if you go to, the easiest way to find this stuff is go to ducks.org. Go to events in your state. Look at South Carolina and you can find, because every, every DU event in the state's there. And you can find one that, that fits your needs and, uh, and what you want to do. Let's see, what else have I got over here? Uh, nah, nah, oh, nah, nah. All right, let's get to this one. It's, um, it's wet out there. I understand that, but they're, Families, you're, you're going to start trying to get outdoors. And there are, there are, this article is pretty good. Seven totally kid friendly hikes in South Carolina that are one mile and under. It's perfect for you people that have small kids, strollers, you know, that, you know, they're going to tire out pretty quick and all. Um, nothing beats getting everyone out of the house, away from the screens and reconnecting with nature. Following seven trails, I'm going to do one of these spread out. I'm not going to do all seven today. Uh, perfect for everyone in the family, young and old alike, especially the little ones. And here you go. It's the Queen of Falls in Walhalla. And it's a falls. A short point three tenths of a mile hike from Walhalla's famous tunnel park leads to a 100-foot-tall cascading waterfall that has a secret cave ledge underneath the water veil. Here's a pretty good one for you. Two legends surround this mysterious falls. Both involve a Native American named Issaquina who was chased to the spot. In the first version, she jumped to her death to escape being captured. Sad ending. And the second, she outsmarted them by hiding in the secret ledge behind the waterfall. Better ending. Tunnel Park and the tra- trailhead to Issaquina Falls is located on Stump House Tunnel Road in Walhalla. If you are in Walhalla, get on Main Street, which is Highway 28. Go about six miles west, and uh, it's on the right. So there you go. That's your first opportunity for you with small kids or, hey, for anyone for that matter. Issaquina Falls is a pretty cool falls to get outside more. So... And with that, I'm going to have a lot of stuff that I'm going to have to take care of over next time. Which is part of the course here. Never have enough time to get to everything. Hope you had a good one. Oh, let's see. Oh, hey, Chuck Norris joke for today. Chuck Norris uses the stunt double only for crying scenes. <laughs> hey, make time to get out there. Take the back roads when you can. Don't forget the camera. Back next week with more Woods and Water, South Carolina. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.